<laughs> All right, let's stay standing so we can read God's word together. <laughs> and what I'm wearing, you'll see this only this one time. <laughs> it's called a Shavar Kamis. I didn't wear the Shavar, which are the baggy pants, but I did wear, this is a shirt, not a skirt. I'm just wanting you to know. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we're going to read uh, out of God's word, Isaiah chapter 28, uh, chapter 40, verse 28. Very well-known passage. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall from exhausted, fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The reading of God's word. Wow. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word, how it encourages us just to read it. Father, I pray that you would stir our hearts to do it, to follow your word, to do what you ask, because there's blessing there. There's blessing in it. James tells us that, blessed is the one who does the word. Lord, help us to be those who, who follow after your word, who believe you so much that not only will we say the amens and the alleluias, but we'll actually live them out in our life day to day. Lord, I pray that you would give us insight into your word and into ourselves today. Help us to follow you and walk with you. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, now you can be seated. Well, as many of you know, I come back from Pakistan. The believers there send you their greetings. They are excited about our church and about your willingness to send me to be with them. And so they want you to know thank you from the bottom of their hearts. In fact, one of the things that is a greeting in Pakistan um, across the board, whether it's uh, believers in Jesus or other people, is to do this. It puts your hand on your heart. And you can walk up to someone, uh, and I had many people kind of look at me kind of suspiciously, and I would just do this. And all of a sudden, I'd see their countenance change. And they would soften, they would, oh, you know, and they would, they would respond. I, I could say uh, salam or salam alaikum, uh, you know, peace be upon you. And, uh, and, and sometimes they would respond, sometimes they wouldn't, but almost every time when I do this. Now, you know, I'm kind of a rookie at this, so I'd do this, you know, and then I'd realize I had the wrong hand, so I'd do this. So all the people were kind of laughing at me for, you know, and then I finally figured out, that sometimes they would do this with both hands. And so if I did this accidentally, I'd just kind of try to cover up there, you know, and uh, make it look, they'd still laugh at me. But, uh, uh, you know, it was just, it was just a, a special, special trip. No way that I can share everything that, uh, that happened. And so maybe in conversations, we'll be able to, to say more. Uh, but uh, uh, I want to start out with uh, a passage of Scripture uh, uh, I mean, we're going to, you can stay here in Isaiah, but uh, in Acts 13, when uh, Paul and Barnabas got done with their first missionary journey, they gave a report. That's what I'm doing this morning. I'm kind of following the first century church here. It says, and when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done. I want you to know anything that's shared today, it's God has done. That's what's happened. Not Greg has done, God has done. And so, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And God did some amazing opening of doors. And, it's, and it was beautiful, the opportunities that were there. Now, um, I want to give you a little bit of a feel because I started thinking, you know, some of you don't know where Pakistan is. So I want to give you a little map here. Uh, you can see Pakistan is up there in between, nestled in between India uh, it borders China, it also borders Afghanistan, and it borders Iran. Uh, 
those are important to kind of remember those, those locations there. Now, um, and I'll, I'll do it on this map over here. Uh, we landed in Karachi. That was the first place that our plane landed, touched my, touched, uh, my foot on, on uh, Pakistani soil there. Uh, I uh, had a couple of days of a ministry there in, uh, in a couple of churches there, uh, uh, my first conference. And then we went up to Koida. Koida is in the red zone, uh, apparently because it's so close to the border of Afghanistan. Uh, and that, that's where we spent the majority. I probably spent seven, eight days there in Koida. Uh, there's some, op the opportunities for ministry there are off the chart. There's some uh, neat things there. But because I was so close to the Afghan border, the government wanted me to have a security uh, detail. And so you'll see a picture of that later. Uh, we had to hire two guards ourselves. And then uh, they provided others. Uh, I wanted to go up to uh, Shaman and, and see the refugees, but the government said no. So I wasn't able to go see the refugees, but I was able to send them some of the gifts from our church family, uh, the glasses that, uh, that I was given. I gave them the majority of those glasses, soccer balls, frisbees. I wish I had clothing because uh, they need warm clothes. And in fact, I'm going to, you know, at some point maybe see if I can, you know, figure out a way to send some money so that they can uh, get some warm clothing because some of them have thought, man, I, I left home and, and bank accounts and everything back in Afghanistan and now, you know, what do I do? And so uh, just the opportunities there. Uh, oops, we'll come back to that. Uh, so uh, anyway, so they, they felt the love of our church family, uh, just reaching out to them and, and caring for them. Uh, then uh, uh, at least, because uh, we, we did, uh, one of our ministry partners was able to go and uh, minister to them. Uh, we, we also went to, and I couldn't get the name to show up here, but uh, Bukar, uh, B-H-A-K-K-A-R, uh, we spent a couple of days there, and, and while I was there in that location, I was able to uh, be a part of helping some flood victims, and then we ended up our, our stay in Lahore, and that's where I flew out of. So I pretty much made the gamut of the, of the country. Uh, we never went up to Islamabad uh, uh, for a number of reasons. We had to change our schedule a couple of times for uh, uh, reasons uh, uh, of safety, you know, because some places weren't as, as, as good for me as others. So um, one of the things that I didn't realize is how uh, uh, few uh, Americans there were that have, have traveled to um, uh, Pakistan. In fact, I never saw another one while I was there. Uh, and everybody recognized me right off. It didn't matter whether I was wearing this shalvar kameez or whatever. You know, they knew I was American and they wanted their picture with me. I mean, it didn't matter where I went. And didn't, I mean, I'd be at a park somewhere and people come up, hey, can we get our picture with you? And I'm like, is that obvious? You know, <laughs> uh, they told me that I might look like uh, Han. Han people are, are also Pakistani and they're lighter skinned, but I have more red in my skin. So I think it was pretty obvious I wasn't one of them. Uh, and, and they said, as long as you keep your mouth closed, maybe they won't, you know, now they noticed. Uh, so uh, anyway, so I, I, I'm in a whole lot of people's pictures with their families. Uh, if you see them posted on the internet, you'll see, oh yeah, there's Buckles again. Um, here's a, 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 the traffic was a, a very fascinating. Uh, uh, this is, uh, they had the little three-wheeled vehicles in Tanzania called tuk-tuks. They called them, uh, I can't remember the name. Uh, the traffic, they traveled supposedly on the left. In fact, there was a Scottish preacher that went to Pakistan. He says, you know, some countries, they travel on the left. They drive on the left. In some countries, they travel on the right. In Pakistan, they haven't really decided yet. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, there are people crossing and more motorcycles than I've seen ever. Uh, and, and, they, and you'll see here in a minute, one of them just cuts right in front of our vehicle. I mean, really close. And, and it was just, and, and the motorcycles go between everything, even on the highways, higher speeds. I mean, they're just kind of zipping in wherever they can fit. And here's the, you know, here's, and they got two on this one. I've seen as many as four on that one. And I've, I've traveled on just about any of these kind of vehicles. I've been on a motorcycle. I've been on a, the little three-wheeled vehicles. I've been on buses, you know, kind of trains, planes, and automobiles uh, kind of thing here going on. When I, on the last day that I was there, I got a chance. This was an eagle, not a bald eagle, but an eagle. And, uh, you know, for it wasn't very much, uh, I could have it on my arm. He says, do you want it on your arm? Sure, I want, as long as we get a picture, you know. And so uh, this was when he was getting on my arm, 
And I got pictures of him on my arm, but I, I love this picture because his wings are just all so spread out. And it's what made me think, this is the passage I got to talk about. You know, I saw that and I thought, yeah, this is it. And I, you know, as we, and I want us to look into the word a little bit as we, you know, uh, talk about this, because I, I realized the only reason I was in Pakistan was because God led me to be. There were so many ways that I could have not gone. I mean, if I would have just listened to all of y'all, I wouldn't have gone, right? Y'all were telling me, don't go. I mean, that's dangerous. You know how dangerous that is? You know, and uh, my, my travel agent, when I booked the ticket, she immediately sent me the State Department's warning, don't go to Pakistan, you know, and, and, and she said, are you aware of this? And I said, yes, I'm aware. Well, there were other things. One was that I uh, only had six weeks to raise the money for going on the trip, and I had to raise three times what I normally raise for a trip. And I was thinking, you know, I, you know that's got to come in first, and it came in. And even more so, which is good because I spent a little bit more than, uh, uh, than I was planning to. So God knew that. He provided for that ahead of time. Uh, I could have easily, uh, you know, used, I mean, I got a cancer diagnosis, right? And uh, uh, most of you all know that. Um, I've shared it. Uh, you know, I got this cancer diagnosis. And so, you know, I, I've got to, you know, do some treatment. So I asked my doctor, I says, can I still go to Pakistan? He goes, yeah, you can still go. And so, you know, because the treatment, I couldn't plan it until December anyway. The, you know, robot and everything wasn't available. So, so I thought, okay. And then I, got, I knew I had one more test. And, and if it had spread, well, then I knew my treatment would change. And so that might change it. And, and I got a clear signal on that. It hadn't spread, at least so far. Uh, have a bone scan this, when I just got back, the, a couple of days after I got back. And so you can pray for that. I don't have any results from that one yet. But I, you know, any of that, people wouldn't have blamed me if I said, oh, you know, I got this cancer diagnosis. Uh, my father-in-law died uh, the week before I left. I did his funeral on Friday, and, and um, on Monday, I, I, I was to leave, and I asked my wife, I said, uh, I asked Susan, I said, um, do you want me to stay? Because I know this is very difficult to lose your dad. And, and she says, no, I want you to do what God is asking you to do. To have a wife that tells you to follow Jesus, I mean, you know, I just, and, and especially when she could have used me here, uh, but she said, no, I'll be spending some time with my mom anyway, so yeah, go ahead. And, and so, uh, you know, I mean, it was just like so many different places that it could have just said, no, this is not the trip for you. This is not the time or whatever. But I left on that Monday and uh uh and and, and I want you to know that, that I think that was important because... You know, I, I read, uh, um, I think it was J. Vernon McGee who said, uh, before God uses somebody greatly, he isolates them or he brings them to a point of weakness. And I can tell you, I was brought to that point of weakness. When I'm weak, he is strong, right? We say those words, but God sometimes brings us to that point. And I want you to know that this church really ministered to me in a special way. More than you know. You think you're just worshiping the Lord and, and, and on a Sunday morning and praying. Well, I got a chance the first Sunday I'd preach that Sunday. It was a busy day, but, uh, you know, uh, they, in fact, the mealtime was usually midnight. Supper time, midnight. I mean, I don't know how many of you eat at midnight, but I don't. Uh, six o'clock, seven o'clock, you know, I'm ready to chew the covers off the couch. And, and, and uh, so here's midnight, you know, eating. And, and then that means that the next day you get about 8.30 and then about 10, eat breakfast. And then two, have lunch. And then four, high tea. I love high tea, by the way. Um, it's not just tea. It's all sorts of table full of goodies. And, um, and then supper at, at midnight. Well, you know, so here we, they're, they're getting ready to eat supper, you know, and so I, I'd steal off to my room and I just want to watch a little of the service. Internet was spotty, so I missed the first couple of songs. When the singing came on, I just started weeping. It was so beautiful. Hearing the voices of God's people. Hearing familiar voices worshiping the Lord. And then Ashley prayed, for me and I started weeping again and I thought I guess it's just kind of all catching up to me right all the different cancer diagnosis father-in-law all that stuff but it was it wasn't just sadness it was joy great joy of hearing the worship of God's people to know that 
You know, a lot of times we pray for somebody across the globe. Well, when you're across the globe and you hear those prayers, wow. Wow. Nothing liked it. So I praise God for you. Praise God for our church family. Know that what, what we're doing is, is something more significant than you can ever imagine. That's why this passage, when I first was thinking about it, I was thinking about the weakness of, of maybe the Pakistani believer. But then I thought, no, this is, this is about my weakness. This is about God strengthening me and renewing my strength. And it's obvious that it's his strength happening because you're at the point of weakness. So you know, this is the Lord. You know, you look back and, and to kind of put this, this passage in context, you really need to go back to chapter 40 and verse 1. In chapter 40 and verse 1, it says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. If you're familiar with Handel's Messiah, you've heard this with a high tenor voice sung. And it says, Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended. And that, that's an important phrase because the first 34 chapters, he's talking about Babylon coming and taking them into captivity and, and just the judgment that's coming upon the earth. And, and so they need comfort. They need to know, God, you haven't forgotten us. You haven't left us. It was one of the things that, was, that ministered to the, to the people in Pakistan was, here I would show up. Why are you here? I'm here because God sent me. He wants you to know he loves you. Simply that. And that message was sent loud and clear. My trans, one of my translators said, it's been six or seven years since I've translated an English person. So, I mean, people just aren't showing up. They're not there. And to have somebody who is a believer in Jesus, who um, they, were, they were very moved by the fact that I'd been a believer for 50 years. They were just like wanting to ask me all sorts of questions about life. And, and I just thought, you know, I, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to be here for, Lord. I don't know who I'm supposed to minister to. It's, it's, uh, but I know that you know. And, and to think that, that he wants us to understand his comfort. In this, this message, chapter 40 is the pivot point in the book. In chapter 40, it's the end of this, in fact, this first 10 verses is the intro to all 27 of his sermons that are coming from chapters 40 to 66. And in this introduction, he talks about the comfort of God's forgiveness. He says that our iniquity is pardoned. And she's received from the Lord's hand double, double reward, I think, because iniquity has already been pardoned. So not double punishment, double reward for, for, in spite of her sins. Then he talks about comfort of his coming, that he's coming. And in fact, uh, every valley is going to be lifted up and make, prepare the way of the Lord. The Lord is coming. And then the comfort of God's word, that we are weak, but his word will stand forever. The comfort of that. Amen. And then the comfort of the greatness of God. And in this, this section, verses 9 through 11, he kind of reviews the first three, or at least a couple of them. He says, lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. I think that's the word, the comfort of the word. Lift it up, fear not, says the cities of Jerusalem, behold your God. Behold, your God comes. Well, that's what he's talk, talked about. He's a voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And he says, and his uh, arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him. He thinks, oh, double reward for the, in spite of sins, and the reward is there. Behold, your God. And then the rest of the chapter, verses 12 to the end of the chapter, He's talking about our God. Behold your God. And then he asks six questions and gives answers. Behold your God who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. He is immense. The immensity of God. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord or, who, or what man shows him counsel. God knows everything. Verse 18. To whom will you liken God or what will you compare him? An idol? No, no way. They topple over. 21, did you not know, did you not hear, has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? He's creator. To whom will you compare me? Not even the angels in heaven, their host. And then this last one. 
Have you not, have you not, have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. From everlasting to everlasting. He is God forever and ever. Amen. The creator of the ends of the earth. So he's kind of drawn back from what, what he's talked about. He does not grow faint or weary. He has all strength. He is omnipotent. He has all power. Notice 29. He gives power. The one who has all power gives power. When? When we're weak. When we're faint. When we're weary. Come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest, Jesus said. Take my yoke and learn of me. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases might. I'll tell you, when you're at the point of weakness, when you're at the point where you kind of feel like you're drained of everything, then, then it's time for God to work. It reminds me of J. Hudson Taylor, who was a missionary to China, and he, was, uh, he did medical missions, and, and his assistant came and said, we've got, this is all the medicine we have left. He's holding a single vial. He said, this is all, this is it. This is all we got. Jason Taylor looks at him and says, I guess it's about time for God to supply, isn't it? It's at those points that we see the hand of God. It's not at the point of our strength that we generally see his hand, because we're thinking, oh, I got this. But when we don't got this, and we don't know in, in my case, I didn't know the language. I didn't know a lot of things. I didn't know what God wanted me to do, except I knew where he wanted me to be. He increases strength, and it's obvious his hand. So here we see who God is, the everlasting God, the creator. We see what he does. He gives power to the faint. What is our role? He tells us. He says, even youth shall faint and be weary. Well, I was thinking, well, I'm not young anymore. But he's saying even the, when the young are weak, much less the old. And young men shall fall exhausted. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. You know, we go through Thanksgiving thinking, okay, this is a time we renew our strength, right? How many of you are more exhausted after Thanksgiving? You don't have to raise your hand, but, you know... <laughs> It's hard. It's hard being, you know, uh, uh, being around uh, uh, and doing everything that, that, you know, traveling, whatever. This Thanksgiving, uh, we, we uh, loaded up my mother-in-law's stuff, and I have a truck in my driveway with all her stuff. So it was a little harder. It wasn't a time of rest. But we think of Thanksgiving as a time of rest. We think of, of uh, uh, sleeping as rest. We think of, you know, uh, exercise or whatever as, as rest. And so we, we do all these things to get rest, to get strength, to be strong again, to be renewed in our strength. And so we think that's what waiting for the Lord is. We just, you know, lay, lean back in our recliner. Lord, I'm waiting. Now let me know when it's time. That's not the picture of the word here. The Hebrew word here has a picture of waiting with anticipation. In other words, it's not the guy on the sideline sitting on the bench with his cleats off and his shoulder pads off. It's the guy standing next to the coach, fully dressed, helmet in hand, and going, coach, when are you going to put me in? It's that anticipation of what God has for you next. It's that waiting on the Lord that we're, that we're ready and we're, and we're waiting. And some of those times are the times that we feel the most strength from the Lord. The last day uh, that I, or the last week that I, uh, or last location when we were at Lahore, uh, I was, uh, uh, I had, somebody had asked me last minute, hey, can you speak at our church? And it was a Friday night. I was so looking forward to just kind of kicking back. And in fact, when I talked to the rest of the team, they were all going to kick back. And I thought, why did I say I would do this? They're all kicking back, and I'm preaching at this church. And then I found out it was a special service that they were doing just because I was in town. So then it's like, well, I can't, you know, I need to go, right? But I was exhausted. I, didn't, I felt no strength. I felt no energy. I didn't want to be there. And I was praying, Lord, please help me. I need you to... to create in me the kind of heart I need to be here. And, and, and when I get there, the pastor, we walk down the street in front of the church. And then we walk 
uh, back down the street. And, and we stopped at every home along the way. And I prayed for all these different people. I prayed for the leader of, the, of that area. I prayed for uh, a young, newly married couple. They wanted blessing. I had to figure out what that was. You know, all these people wanted, hey, bless us. And I'm like, bless you? I don't have anything to bless you with. Except the Lord, he blesses. You know, what am I? So then I had to kind of think about the blessing that Moses gave, you know, in, in number six and thought, well, I guess it's third person. So it's kind of a prayer in third person. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May turn his face towards you and be gracious to you. May lift up his countenance upon you and, and give you peace. And so I was thinking, okay, so I guess it's kind of a third. So I kind of did some of that, you know, and kind of praying blessing upon people's lives and, and that God would work in them and, and uh, prayed for different things for them and that they would walk with Jesus. And, and then I, you know, prayed for a guy that had dinghy fever and I was like, Lord, please keep me from dinghy fever. You know, oh, I mean, help this guy with his, you know, you find yourself kind of praying kind of doubly there, you know, and, and uh, but then we get to the service and, and, and by the time we get to the service after I'd prayed for these different people, my heart was in a different place. And when I preached, I just felt God's strength in a way that I didn't feel driving over there. You know, and it reminded me of, of Eric Little who, when, in Chariots of Fire. It's one of my favorite scenes when he's talking to his sister. And his sister says, why aren't you on the mission field already? Why are you running these races in the Olympics? And he says, God made me fast. And I feel his pleasure when I run. And I thought, I felt his pleasure when I was just preaching the word. It was such a special moment. And I'm so glad I didn't talk myself out of it. You know, we talk ourselves out of so many times out of stuff that God wants us to do. Because we say, well, Lord, I'm tired. Or I, I, I got cancer. Or I got this. Or this just happened. Or whatever. And we talk ourselves out of some of the biggest blessings of our lives. And so we need to, we need to think about that. He gives us strength. He'll give me the strength at the moment that I need. And I just need to tell him yes. And then he works and I watch his hand and I come back and I'm just so blessed. So blessed by seeing his hand at work. Well, I want to show you some pictures uh, of our trip. Uh, when I first got there, uh, I don't know about you, but I can't sleep on a plane. So I got about three hours sleep in a 24-hour period. And then the next day, they said, let's get up for breakfast at 8.30. So I was going to get four hours sleep the next night. And I got up. I show up and nobody's there. <laughs> hmm, Pakistani time must mean different than, yes, they showed up at 11. I could have gotten a few more hours sleep. So, so then I was asked to uh, speak on TV or this uh, 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 TV channel that they had for YouTube. And uh, so I'm sitting there, I've got seven hours sleep and two nights. You know, I'm missing a night's sleep and they want me to speak about what is truth. I'm not real sure what I said exactly, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, I hope that God blesses it. I mean, you think, look at all these fancy things, but if you look at the studio, this was the studio. Very simple what God can do and how they manage and are managing their resources to be able to use, uh, uh, to uh, communicate God's word. Uh, and in fact, I had a translator named uh, Sargil who uh, was translating for me uh, and he did an outstanding job. And is in fact, uh, we got to talking later and he wants to go to Dallas Seminary. And so I got a chance to talk to him a little bit about that. And he needs a sponsor. But, you know, so I said, I'll pray with you about that and pray what God will do. And, and, uh, and then he told me that um, he would be interested in, you know, these, um, some of the things that I've done online. He would be interested in maybe doing a voiceover in Hindi and in Urdu. And I'm like, wow, I came to, you know, bless, you know, it, uh, be, a, be a blessing here. And, and, and now God's kind of showing me, hey, there's more to this story here, possibly. And uh, so I don't know where that, come, where that goes. Uh, but uh, this, is, uh, this was one of the streets near the church that we were at. Uh, we were going to pray with someone before the service. Um, this was high tea, and that wasn't even the half of it. You know, th th those, uh, those things were amazing. Uh, um, 
Uh, I'll think of the name of them here in a minute. But, uh, oh, yeah, samosas, I have it written on the slide. And then I don't know what those biscuits are called, but they, they, a lot of times they would have a little meat in them or something too. And then they'd have some sweet things as well. I mean, that, this was just a smaller version of the high tea. Uh, this was the first church service. I mean, they had these police officers. They saluted me, five of them. And then uh, they uh, put all these garlands on me. And then they held this money over my head. Uh, they did that at weddings too. I'm not real sure of what all that meant exactly, except they, you know, want blessing for you as some sort of traditional thing. And, uh, and then when I walked in the church, I had to take my shoes off. In fact, you always, you, uh, if, if you were in a Pakistani service right now, you'd be sitting on the floor and you'd have no shoes on. And, uh, and they had this guy beating the drum. He was kind of late. So, uh, and then when we walked in the service, these little girls were throwing rose petals. And you think that'd be nice, right? Kind of like a wedding, you know, the little rose petals. These things were kind of wet. And I think the girls had a lot of fun just kind of splatting them up against me, you know, because I was sitting over there blinking, you know, as I was walking in. Uh, but, uh, uh, I mean, it was just very different uh, uh, kind of um, environment than what I was used to. Uh, this was the service. The men were on one side, the uh, women on the other. You can see these are all men we're on that side. I'm up there, I think, preaching. I can't see the picture very well. Um, this was uh, uh, how, uh, you know, a better picture of the fullness of the service. Uh, it was a smaller room, but they you know, packed them in. Uh, but uh, when we first started, there were about half the people in there. And I thought, wow, you know, where is everybody? And they were just kind of coming from work, I guess, or whatever, and kind of filtering in uh, throughout the, uh, the evening. And then we fed them a meal. One of the things that was uh, very moving to me was that people wanted prayer. In fact, uh, if you want prayer after our service, I encourage you to come up. We have a couple of people that, that will pray with you. I had people that would come up for an hour after the service and just keep, they'd stand in line. They just wanted me to pray for them. In fact, one, at one point I had a, had a uh, we were supposed to eat a meal with, with some folks and a pastor grabs my hand and just kind of pulls me through the crowd and people are tapping me on the shoulder and I'm like, sorry, I'm following this guy, you know. And, uh, uh, but uh, uh, just some really special, really special prayer times. One of the uh, things that... Uh, uh, really moved me uh, was, uh, uh, and people would want prayer, you know, for healing, for their headaches, you know, uh, and that kind of thing, but, but also for their marriage or for their, for their kids or whatever. Or, uh, and and one, one couple came up to me, really precious couple, and uh, she was struggling, you know, with, uh, with uh, their marriage, and he was alcoholic, and it was well known that he, was, he was, had, had trouble with alcoholism. And she was very, at a very desperate point. And she says, pray for my husband. Uh, he's an alcoholic. And he came to me, he, when he walks up, he's like this. He's looking down. And before I prayed for him, because I, I, I began to get more you know, comfortable in the, that setting, I just said, look at me. Of course, I had to wait for the translator to translate that. And he kept looking down. I said, no, look at me. And so he looked up a little bit and he was looking at my chest. I said, no, look in my eyes. So he looked at, I said, you don't need to hang your head. Jesus loves you. And he wants you to look at him. He wants you to know that you don't have to hang your head. He died for your sins. He was a believer, but he, he was struggling in this area. And he was just feeling so ashamed of, and, and so that I just talked to him. I just encouraged him. I said, you know, when I prayed for him, I prayed, Lord, I pray that today he'd pour everything down the sink. And he went home and he poured everything down the sink. And a week later, I was still there and the, it was in Coita in our second town. Uh, he, she was giving testimony to the church about what God had done. And I was just like, wow. Was I, was I only here to, you know, maybe save this one marriage, save this one person? After I, after I saw, every time I saw him, he, he made a point of trying to be at every place that I spoke after that. And, and I was speaking every night. And so he'd be at different places. I'd see him and, and he'd come and give me a hug and say, I love you. And I'd say, I love you. And I, and I, and I just would talk into his ears. We're hugging each other and just say, you know, you're doing great. You're doing well. God loves you. You know, keep it up. You know, just encouraging words. And I just thought, wow. You know, so many, so many times we, we're, we, we hang our head. We look down and the Lord wants us to look up. 
look up, my child, look at me. Because we feel ashamed of something we've done or something in the past or even something in the present. And our God wants us to look at him. And know that, that, that he has forgiven us. That's what, that's what Isaiah says here. That our sins have been pardoned in, in the very first part of the comfort. That her iniquity is pardoned. That she has received from the Lord's hand double blessing in spite of her sins. That was a blessing. That was a special unexpected moment that God does in our lives when we're serving him and he just brings this, let me, you know, think into our life. Let me show you what I can do kind of moments and you just kind of go, wow, thank you for that. I'm glad I was here for this moment. If that was the only reason I went to Pakistan, it was certainly worth it. And so I prayed for people. Um, uh, and this is, uh, uh, and of course, the funny thing to me was I was thinking, why do you have me wearing the shalbar kameez? You know, I've got the whole thing, you know, going. I even have the pants on in that picture. And the guy on the right, he's just got pants and a shirt. And the guy on the left, the pastor of the church, pants and a shirt. Well, he might have a shalbar kameez on. But uh, I was thinking, why are they all having me wear this, you know, and they're not wearing. And uh, uh, I was thinking, you know, because here, you know, here's the pastor in blue jeans and a shirt. And, and but, but it, it communicated volumes that I was willing to, to respect and, and to show respect for their culture. And, to, and, and I remember J. Hudson Taylor received a lot of criticism because he dressed uh, like the Chinese did when he was in China. And, uh, uh, but he, and he went to the inland part of China when most missionaries were sitting on the outside uh, on the coastlands. He went to called China Inland Mission uh, at the time. Uh, that was the pastor's house, by the way. I think that was supper. We had chicken biryani and we had uh, uh, other dishes, uh, chicken curry and rice and usually beans. And we had some sort of, uh, in fact, I made fun of them because uh, it wasn't vegetables. It was vegetables. And I was saying, wait, wait, you got an extra syllable in there, you know. And, and, uh, and of course, the V sound is a W, so it was vegetables. And uh, so it was a lot of fun. It was just kind of these kind of things going back and forth. Um, this was a, just a little kid. People love for me to hold their kid and pray for them and, and uh, get my picture. I was, I'm gonna, like I said, a lot of pictures. Uh, this uh, was going to be a, a video. You can see the terrain maybe through that window. It's just very sparse where we were going in Coita, uh, very desert-like, kind of like West Texas, actually. Um, they had this picture. They, they did these posters and you notice everybody else has, you know, a tie or, you know, the, the you know, shavar kameez. And I look like I've got some, you know, it's like, what am I wearing, a robe there? That was, that was a hoodie that I wore in Tanzania. Where did they get this picture? I don't know. <laughs> um, I'll tell you, when I was, I was this was uh, uh, one of the churches I preached in, Pastor Shabazz, a uh, wonderful man uh, God's really using. Uh, this church has been around six years. And uh, when I was sitting there where these men are on the right, uh, I was sitting there next to them, and I looked over the congregation and I thought, this is, this is the persecuted church that I've prayed for all my life. These are some of the heroes of the faith, and I'm getting to meet them. People who are walking with the Lord in a very difficult environment. Um, and of course, here's a couple of the little kids that uh, wanted their picture with me, and, and we provided food. So you'll see that she has a couple of boxes of food there. Um, after uh, this, this was a communion, uh, and you'll notice that it's all women. All the men had previously taken communion, and then it's the women's turn. The men sat on one side, women on the other side of the church. Uh, and then they did the same thing with the offering. And so it's interesting because they would, uh, uh, they, it would take about 20 minutes for them to, to do this because they have one line for the bread and then one line for the juice. And, and the people singing, they just kind of sang the same song for about 20 minutes. Uh, and so I thought, well, that's, that's a challenge to keep it, you know, but it was, but it was such a worshipful time. It was just a, a, a neat time. Uh, and then they, they served a meal, and this is a typical uh, Pakistani table. It's no table at all. It's just a cloth on the floor, and you would all sit uh, just uh, cross-leg style. And, and, uh, uh, and so this was, uh, 
If you'll notice, I think this is all women, and so they'd have men maybe in a different location. It's very strong in that culture, the separation between men and women. Uh, in fact, it was something I had to learn that I couldn't just walk up and give a hug you know, to everybody. I had to, I had to be cautious about those kind of things. In fact, I was praying for someone, and I put my hand on their shoulder, and I didn't know it's okay to put it on their head, but not on the shoulder. And so some, I felt somebody peeling my fingers off of her shoulder. And so I kind of did this number and kind of held my hand. I was like, I don't know what I just did, but, you know. <laughs> um, there I am in that same. <laughs> and they all got the ties and stuff, and... Uh, and then this church, different venues, different sizes. And this one, the men are kind of around the corner. There were just about as many men as women. Uh, but uh, they, uh, uh, and, and what I found was is as people were coming in from work, you know, they would start filtering in. So a place would fill up um, a little bit more. This is a little more sobering picture. This was my security detail when I was in Coita. Uh, I had, we had to hire two uh, police officers. The government required it. Uh, and then they provided some of the others. The ones that are, have their faces covered are probably special forces. So, I mean, I was well guarded, but I, I also kind of wondered, doesn't this kind of draw attention to things, you know? <laughs> I kind of like to just kind of sneak in and sneak out. I'm not used to all this attention. And, uh, uh, but... Uh, uh, you know, the government required it, and so we followed the government regulations. In fact, I wanted to go to, uh, uh, to uh, another place with the uh, refugees, but uh, the government wouldn't allow me to go there. It was even closer to the border uh, of, uh, uh, of Afghanistan. And so uh, uh, this was, uh, because I couldn't always go outside the hotel in Koida, uh this became kind of my receiving area. This was downstairs in the hotel. It had two chairs, one across from each other and that couch. And I sat there and uh, it was, I, I, I imagined this must be what Paul felt in, when he was in imprisonment and people kept coming to visit him. Because from about 10 o'clock breakfast, did I tell you the, the, uh, the meal times? Midnight, 10 o'clock breakfast, 2 o'clock, 4 o'clock, high tea. I like high tea, did I tell you that? Um, <laughs> so... Uh, uh, I had just people from about 10 o'clock to 3 o'clock coming, just coming, coming, wanting me to pray for them, tell me their stories. I mean, it's just amazing, the story of some believers and some of the things that they're doing. I got to pray for different people who are, who are uh, doing ministry in other places uh, and, and just so courageous on their part. And I just uh, so moved by, by that. Uh, one location we were going to uh, have a, one of our meetings at, uh, it, uh, the powers that be wouldn't allow it. And so we met in another place. And so this, it was very much a smaller place, but it packed out in the main part. There was a kitchen that was full too. And then that lobby out there was also full of people. And you notice it's mostly women here. So the men were out there in the kind of lobby area or actually stairwell. And... Uh, but a uh, very special time. And I got a chance to, uh, the, the guy with the turban on is a, a leader in the community. And I was able to, he asked me for prayer. And so I prayed for him as well. And so uh, I know that these men that were with me get a chance to continue to, to uh, uh, be with him. Um, there I am in the hoodie again. Now you see it all. <laughs> like I said, why did they pick this picture? They didn't even ask me. They just picked one. And uh, <laughs> uh, I got a chance to be in this home. It was a very special home. It was a small group gathering. I talked about Philippians with them and uh, just uh, 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 Philippians 4. And uh, one of the things that uh, the guy on the, on the right, he was uh, a police officer that had been martyred. Uh, and uh, uh, he was, uh, uh, this was his family. And so I got a chance to uh, meet with them. The two on the right are newly married, and so I got to pray for them. Uh, just a special, special family, uh, very precious. Um, and this is some of his stuff. Uh, this was midnight uh, supper in, in a uh, hotel room. Uh, one of the rooms, it was a room of the family of five, and uh, so it was a little larger. And uh, there's my first wearing of these uh, uh, Chitrali hats. Uh, I was given one of those, uh, or a couple of them as gifts. And uh, this was, we got a chance to go to a wedding reception. 
And in fact, pray for this. This wedding hall, we, we realized, would make a great place for a conference. And so we'd love to get the, uh, maybe uh, next year, get uh, pastors and church leaders together. And, and uh, the goal is to maybe get about 800 people to, to come. This hall would fill that many at least. And so pray with me about that, about what God would have for that. Uh, the interesting thing about that is, is that um, we weren't invited to the wedding. It was at this church, and then they were going to come. And so we got there about 7 or 8 o'clock, and, and, uh, and I say 7 or 8 because, you know, I'm talking Pakistani time, right? And uh, so I don't remember. It was, they, I think they said, oh, we're going to be there at 6, and it was 7 or 8 o'clock. Uh, we got there, and uh, I thought, oh, we're going to miss everything. And no, the, the wedding's taking place. At midnight, they show up, the bride and groom show up at the reception. And, and people were saying, what took so long? And the pastor said, well, you know, I wanted to make sure that this marriage really took, you know? All right, well, that's great. I guess he preached for four hours. I don't know. Uh, but the bride and groom, uh, you know, uh, they, were, they were, seemed like a special couple, but uh, they weren't really smiling a lot. And you'll see that later. But I, got, I don't know how people found out, but they started just lining up. And for three hours, I prayed for people before the, before the bride and groom showed up. And then I got a chance to pray with the bride and groom as well. And you notice they're not smiling. And in fact, I said, why aren't they smiling? It looks like they're at a funeral. You know, and, and so then I saw another picture of a wedding, and same thing, and apparently it's not a thing they do is smile for their wedding pictures. And, and so I was just saying, you know, I started, you know, saying stuff, and they were laughing at me. And, and then, in fact, one of the guys who's engaged to be married, his, his fiancée uh, had him send a picture of her and said, see, she's smiling, and she's going to be smiling for our wedding, you know. And so it, it, was, it was a lot of fun just to, you know, just to, uh, being able to banter back and forth about different things. Uh, this was another setting, and this was uh, the place where uh, the uh, uh, precious couple came and, and shared, and the wife shared about uh, her husband uh, for a week being uh, clean, and, and it was just such a blessing. Uh, I talked on Ephesians 6, and so I, got, I had plenty of you know, police presence, so I got one of them to be my uh, example, and he stood up on stage with the, with the shield uh, to, uh, as I talked about the different parts and armor of, the, um, of Ephesians 6. While I was there, I also got a chance to meet with uh, some medical types, uh, hospital types. You know, in Tanzania, I have the opportunity to at least uh, try to see if I can get medical equipment for some of these uh, couple of hospitals. And uh, uh, the story got around, and so uh, I've met with some medical types uh, in Pakistan as well. And so I don't know what the Lord's doing with that, but you can certainly pray for that. Uh, it's uh, kind of exciting, uh, the different people I've met. Uh, this was, uh, 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 there were flood victims, uh, 30 million displaced, and so uh, we prayed for them, and I got a chance to tell them, we prayed for you. Our church prayed for you. Uh, and, and we gave them out into a couple of different communities. Uh, one was, uh, uh, I think we gave out at a mosque. Uh, we gave out uh, to 50 people there and then to some other places. And, and, uh, and so there'll be some follow-up uh, with more uh, supplies for some of these locations. And so uh, just an opportunity to love on people in, the, in, in, in um, uh, a different place. Um, and so... Uh, Another high tea while I was at the location, you know. Uh, this was, uh, as we distributed food, we had food, we had blankets, we had a number of different things. I think each person got like that whole pile of stuff. Um, and so uh, got a couple of pictures with them. Uh, this was another hospital. This guy that's uh, the pictured there, uh, he's building this whole hospital and he's doing it out of his own pocket. And, uh, uh, and, and so I got a chance to talk to him. He has, he has such a great heart about what he's doing and, and good focus, uh, focus on uh, 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 the gospel. And so just a real special man. Um, and this was just uh, some of the people that, uh, uh, in fact, that guy on the left uh, that's uh, uh, lighter skinned is one of the Han people. And you see it's, it's not as red as, as I am. So uh, it's pretty obvious I wasn't Han. Uh, we had a chance to uh, give a projector to uh, the ministry there, and uh, that means that there may be some ongoing ministry that we're able to do from here, uh, do some teaching uh, and follow up with some of the folks that, uh, that are there. And so uh, I don't know exactly what that looks like yet, but we'll see what the Lord has in, in store. Um, 
So uh, this is uh, one of the final pictures of the final day. This was uh, one of the historic sites uh, that we were at. Uh, that guy right there, uh, he didn't speak a lot of English. He was working on it, but he had the greatest laugh. I just loved his laugh. They'd be talking Urdu and he'd start laughing and I'd laugh. I had no idea what they were laughing about. <laughs> but I was laughing just as hard as they were. Uh, so God, God uh, had some special people uh, that, he, that he used um, uh, during our time there. And in fact, uh, both of those guys, uh, uh, this guy and that guy right there, uh, were going to a conference in Lahore where our final day was. And uh, uh, they... Uh, made a special point to come a couple of days early because they wanted to see me one, one more time before, before they left. Just some special relationships, special things that God has done. And so when I look at, at and think about, about what God has done, I realize this is what God has done. These are things that God has done, like in Acts, to hear what God has done. And there's so much more that I would love to share, but time doesn't allow. And so uh, just pray. As God, and I, I want to thank you for praying for me. Uh, I, I stayed relatively healthy, uh, stayed, uh, got home safely, and uh, it's a joy to be back with you. So, thank you. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you so much for your incredible love and grace. We thank you that you are the God who gives strength. You give us strength. When we're weak, you give us strength. When we're faint, you give us strength. You increase might and you make it clear that it is you who is at work. Father, I thank you. I thank you for that. Lord, I thank you that while I was gone, OCC brought in the over 2,000 boxes. What a praise, Father. 2,023 boxes. I just want to clap now even in our prayer. <laughs> Because I'm so thankful to you, Lord, as you worked not only in Pakistan, but wherever these boxes are going to go, 2,023 presentations of the gospel. Those are people, not boxes. They're kids, not boxes. And each box reaches about seven people, so a lot of people. Lord, bless those boxes. Use them to your glory. Father, I thank you for all that you have done. I thank you that you give us strength when we are weak. And your grace is more profound when we are so. Lord, I pray that you would continue the work that has gone on in Pakistan over the last three weeks. Pray that you would bless it. Pray that you would bless those people, watch over them, protect them, keep them safe. Use them, Lord, in a mighty way. Father, we thank you for all these things. In Jesus' precious name, amen.